Awesome, awesome. Welcome to the well. If you're a guest with us, my name is Al. I'm one of the pastors here. It's an honor and privilege to preach God's word this morning. We are in a new sermon series called Ancient Paths. Uh, typically what we do is go verse by verse through books of the Bible. We've been studying 1 Corinthians. We're taking a break uh, for the summer going through this uh, sermon series looking at spiritual discipline. So today's going to be the beginning, more of an introduction to this entire uh, series. And uh, we will be in the Bible. We'll be particularly in one passage. Normally we go through big chunks of scripture. We're going to spend most of our time on one verse today. Uh, so if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hands. One of our ushers will bring you one. Uh, if you don't own one, this is our gift to you. Uh, go ahead and raise your hand high. Uh, and uh, we got a couple up here. Um, and then this is our gift to you. Take it, keep it, read it. It's about Jesus. That's the big idea. That's the main idea. Uh, the Bible is about Jesus. This is God speaking to us uh, through his word. And so he, So if you ever want to know, man, I want to know something about God. Like how does, how, I want to know something. Well, guess what? God spoke. He wrote a book. And so this is what we do. We go through books of the Bible. We go through verses in the scripture, read them, understand them in the context, apply them to our lives. This really is God speaking to us. And so throughout the sermon series, uh, while we're going to be looking at uh, the di discipline, spiritual discipline, what it looks like to work hard for the cause of Christ, um, and, and what we want to do is create faith-driven obedience, not just guilt-driven obedience. Everyone knows guilt-driven obedience, where you just feel guilty, so you do it because you feel guilty. We want to create obedience that comes from faith, that's empowered by the Spirit of God. And so today we got to look at uh, 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 the paths that we're on. We're looking, this is going to be the root, the core, the foundation of this sermon series is rooted here in this one verse, Jeremiah 6, 16. So if you want to look on the screen or turn in your Bibles, Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord. This is God speaking. He said it's going to be quoting God. Jeremiah is a prophet uh, and he is uh, literally writing. This is what God told me to say. This is what God says. And so the whole thing is on what God says. It says this, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. That sounds good, right? Find rest for your souls. That's, what, that's the offer here. It's to find true, abiding, everlasting, real rest. Real rest at a soul level. You're like, Man, that sounds too good to be true. That's a good offer. Well, guess what they do? They hear the offer, they, they, they receive the offer, and then what do they do? They reject the offer. It says this, but they said, we will not walk in it. I want you to understand this. There are some of you in here today that you will hear God's word. You will hear it. You will hear God speaking, and you will walk out and go, I don't want to do it. I don't want to obey you. I don't want you to be my God. I will not walk in your ways. And so, in case that you're the person, let me just tell you about what ends up happening to the people of God here in Jeremiah. Well, this is a time in, in, in Israel's history, or in, in God's people's history, and where King Josiah was king. Uh, it was actually a good king. Uh, he brought reform. Uh, they, they, he removed the temple of uh, idolatrous practices. And so, but God's people, however, they would not listen to God's word, will, and ways. And so they committed what the Bible describes as a, a spiritual adultery. Meaning we're in covenant with God. God comes to us. He saves us. He redeems us. He buys us back, brings us into a family. And it's called a covenant. Uh, it's a relationship between God and man, a covenant sealed in Jesus' blood. Meaning that Jesus paid the penalty, paid the, the covenant price to, to adopt us and to bring us into the family of God. And so this is, or another way to put it is, uh, it's like a marriage between a man and a woman in that there's covenant vows that ought to, ought to be kept. What has happened here, is God's people have forsaken their covenant vows with God. 
They have done, they've committed what is called spiritual adultery. Just like when a man cheats on his wife, that's adultery. Or a woman cheats on her husband, that's adultery. So too, God's people have cheated on him and worshipped other things. Worshipped other things. We've talked about this at length. Uh, we can worship a lot of things. Typically, uh, we worship small things, little things, whether it be our own self, our own pride, our own ways. And so what, what's going on here is they've been, their hearts have been set on different paths of worship that were not the path of worshiping the God of the Bible. And so Jeremiah in, in chapter 2 through 5 has made it clear that this is not okay. That God is, is, is not okay with this and that God's people, they, they can and they should turn around. It's called repentance. Some of you grew up in, in traditions where you hear the word repentance and you think, I got to work to earn God's love. I got I to, repentance is a bunch of lists of rules to do. It's not what repentance means. Repentance simply means turn around and walk a different direction. So they're, they're walking on paths that are uh, in, in opposition to God. They're rebelling against God. They've forsaken their covenants. They're, they're, they're not loving God, worshiping Him. They're, they're, they're literally hell-bent on their own destruction. God's saying, turn around, come to me. That's what He's saying. That's what repentance is. Turn around and come to me. And he says they can, they should repent. And he says if they don't, there are consequences for their sin. Disaster will come. I want you to know we, they do not. And disaster does come to God's people. There are punishments in this life for continual, willful disobedience to God. It's not a threat, and it's not from me. It's a promise from God. I'm just, I'm just telling us the news. See, God will not share his glory with anyone. And so in, 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 like a good father, uh, he will punish his children, discipline them when they won't be disciplined themselves, discipline them for the purpose of bringing them back to him. We don't like discipline. We don't like discipline as far as like our own personal discipline. We often don't like when we're disciplined by an authority. God's a father who loves his children and, and they are in rebellion against him. And it's not for their good, it's not for their flourishing, it's actually for their harm and detriment. And he's coming after them. He's coming after to rescue, redeem, and bring them back to himself. Their good father. And so what he is asking them to do at the start is first to stand by the road Examine the roads you're on and look and ask for the ancient path. Not a new path, not a new way, but an old way, God's way. See, we live in a world where we think we're clever and we can come up with these new ways, new books, new things, new me, new you, whatever. It's just a, it's just a poor renditions of, of self-inflicted, self-pursuit, self-glory, which leads to self-destruction. And God doesn't want that for his people. So he's saying, hey, let's pause Let's pause. So what we see here in the beginning is, one, God is speaking, and two, he's telling us to pause, to pause and reflect. Stand by the road and look. This idea of looking is simply mean to, to pause. So I want us to, today begins uh, the, the first sermon in this series, which this whole series will be somewhat of a pause and a reflection on our personal lives. We'll look at, today will be an overview, but we will get into very specific things, spiritual disciplines, that of prayer. What is prayer? And how do I, why, why how do I do it? Some of you, you, you don't know how to pray and you feel guilt and shame around that. We don't want you to feel that way. Prayer is talking to God, Bible reading. I, wh what if I don't want to? How do I do it? We want to help you to, to that end. Also, uh, silent solitude, different, prayer, uh, different spiritual disciplines we will talk about at length. But it starts with the posture of a, a stopping, pausing, looking. What path am I on? 
and how or why did I get on this path? And so that's what we're doing today. We're going to start by pausing and reflecting, stepping off the path we are currently walking on, and then we're looking back at God and, and seeing how do we come back to Him. This is for the Christian, it's for the non-Christian, it's for all of us. The crazy thing is, I want you to know that this is so crazy. God shows up, speaks to them, and they, says, they say no. So it's a real possibility that those of you in here today could literally hear God's word, walk through this whole series, pause, reflect, stand by the road, look, and then go, you know what, nah, not going to do that. Not going to do that. Let me just let you know that doesn't lead to flourishing but ruin and misery. Like, we don't need to step on the landmines that the people before us stepped on. Like, they already did it for us. Like, let's learn from them. And so these people, the God's people, they listened. They, they stood by the road. They examined. And they said, you know what? No. No. And I need you to see he's not writing to some pagan nation. This is the Old Testament church, the Old Testament people, God's people. They're saying no. They're the ones that, that know that, that God showed up and saved Abraham, though he was not a Christian, he was not a Hebrew, he was not a godly man at all. His dad worshipped false idols. His dad committed human sacrifice. He was a pagan, pagan, pagan. God shows up, saves Abraham, convinces him that, that, that Jesus is God. He starts to walk with him through faith. Then he has a son, Isaac. Then he has a grandson, Jacob. And at least to Joseph, then all of a sudden this lineage of faith, God's people, Israel. This is a, God, God continues to save and use and, and, and bring about salvation to a people. Inviting anyone who wants to, to know the true God, the one God, the living God, that they could come to him and receive salvation and forgiveness and new life. And they've, they've grown into a great nation. And now they're in rebellion against God. They're walking away from him. And so as we stand by the road and look, let's pause and reflect for a moment. Let's, that's what we're going to do. We're most of our time on this verse. What roads have you been traveling? Like what roads are you on? Not did I take 281 to get here because, or 410, likely you, you did that. Or man, maybe you live in Alamo Heights. You're like, I went right up Broadway. So like not those roads, but what, what, what trajectory is your life on? Some of you, you've been on one trajectory and God shows up and you're like, man, I'm on a different trajectory now. Some of you, because of circumstances, situation, life has hit you and you're like, man, I don't know the trajectory anymore. I, I, I feel actually lost and confused. This is what we're doing. We're going to pause and reflect. We're going to be real honest about where we find ourselves. Now, many of you will go, well, I don't know which path I'm on. I really don't know. I, I, and, and maybe that's because you, uh, other people are dictating that for you. You're just saying, I'm doing whatever someone else told me to do. Others of you will go, uh, you know, I, I want to be on the path that brings the most glory to God. Praise be to God. We're going to examine our hearts today and see where, where we're, we're prone or tempted to get off that path. And so what I want us to do is I want us to see that what you desire most, at the bottom of everything, what you desire most, most will, will turn your feet and set you on a path and a trajectory in which you will walk. What you desire the most. And so... The issue, I need you to hear this as we start. The issue as we start is not desire being bad. John Calvin said it this way, evil in our, uh, the evil in our desire typically does not lie in what we want. So the issue really isn't what you want, but he says, but what we want too much. What we want too much. 
That we, we and, and, and he basically what he's saying when we take the good things of God and we and we elevate them above God, that's the issue. Desire is having desires is not an issue. But desiring whatever you desire above the glory of God is an issue. So this is what we're going to look at. I'm going to talk about four paths that rob us of the glory of God. Four different paths that I think will describe all of us in here, maybe all of us, some of us way too much. Uh, but it will, I believe it's the four paths that humans find themselves on. Sometimes we get there willfully. Sometimes we don't realize we're on this path. All of a sudden we are like, whoa, this sounds like I'm on this path. So let's look at the first path. It's the path of longing for influence or recognition. The path of longing for influence and recognition. So I'll start by saying, is having influence and recognition a sin? No. Some of you are like, yes, it is. No, it's not. Are you a parent? Yes, I am. Uh, sh- who should have influence over your kids? Uh, me. <laughs> yeah. You want influence. Right? You want influence. Uh, do you want influence? You want God to have influence as well. So you don't want to usurp God. What we're saying here is that influence and recognition, they're not issues. It's when we make those good things and make them God things that it's an issue. So all of these desires that I'm going to describe, all these paths in and of themselves are not, are the issue's not the desire. It's, it's when we distort the desire and we are controlled. We are controlled by a longing for influence. We're controlled by a longing for recognition. And so in this new documentary that's come out on Netflix on Arnold, uh, we see this. Uh, I've been watching it this weekend, and, and one of these things, uh, he, he has this great desire to, to, to leave Austria, that's where he's from, uh, to be a bodybuilder and a movie star. And this actually sets the trajectory for his entire life. So you don't know anything about Arnold, he, he did all these things. So, uh, but as you're watching this documentary, what you see is that he admits that th- those are the things that drove him, that set him on a path. In a path by which he was very successful. But he talks about it along the way while he's on this path being driven for the need of recognition, the need of power, the need of influence. He, he admits that it does not satisfy. He actually talks about it, it never satisfies. That's what always makes him want to do more and get, and get further. And so it's this set him on a path and a trajectory that he admits it never satisfies. And so there's nothing wrong. I need us to see with influence or recognition. The issue is when you're ruled by it, it's idolatry. When you're ruled by anything other than Jesus, you're an idolater. He is ruled by this. See, the thing about this is, and if you ever wonder, why would they hear of the, of the ancient paths? Why would they hear of God's word, will, and ways and go, no, I don't want it? Well, because idolatry is successful. It's pro, it's, it can, you can be productive. Like you can be productive and be just controlled by the need for influence and recognition. This is what we see throughout the, the documentary that he does get out of Austra- uh, Austria. He does become a bodybuilder multiple time, Mr. Universe, multiple time world champion, multiple time. Then he becomes a movie star. Then when rejected, he does not relent. and becomes one of the, the greatest stars. It, it's productive. Idolatry can be productive. And, have six, and you can have great success. It will still, and you'll see if you watch it, like it still ru- leads to ruin and misery, misery. I want you to see this. All the great athletes in the world, whether it be uh, Arnold or uh, Michael Jordan or uh, Tom Brady, all of them will admit, and there's documentaries that, to support all of this out there, on, probably on Netflix, I don't know. Uh, all of them are driven by this desire for influence, recognition, fame, and being the best. And they were. A hundred percent of them were not satisfied. 
one of, someone told me on the way out after the first service said that, that uh, they quoted Jim Carrey. I haven't looked up the quote, but they said it, so we're going to go with it right now. Uh, is that Jim Carrey is, is famously known for saying that he wishes everyone would have the money, fame, and success he has so they would know that it does not satisfy. And some of you are like, yeah, let me prove it. Give it to me. I'll find out. I'll tell you. And think, see, that's our heart, right? We don't ever want to look and go learn from someone. Where, I, I can, I'll do it differently. I'll do it differently. Well, the, the story of the Bible is everyone trying to do it differently, and they continue to fall in the same pattern in ruin and misery. So God's got to show up. And I want us to see here, this is what God is doing. He is showing up. When God's people are in the middle of misery, they're in the middle of rebellion, they're in the middle of sin, spiritual adultery and idolatry, I want you to see God is showing up. The, the Lord shows up and says, stand by the road he, he, and look and, and pause and reflect. I want you to see that this is the story of the Bible that God always shows up even when we don't want, even when we're not looking for him. Like today, God is showing up. Some of you are not looking for him. He's showing up. He shows up. In the garden with Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they rebelled against him. What happens? They're hiding. God shows up. Abraham, wandering around in the wilderness, doing his thing, not worshiping God. God shows up, saves him. When you see humanity continue to rebel against God, God shows up. The story of the Bible is man does never ascend to God. God always descends, condescends, comes to man. That's what God is doing here. He's leaving his throne and chasing after people who are chasing their own throne to help them see that only he can satisfy. I need you to see, as we look at all these paths that we're going to talk about today, that are what our hearts love most what our hearts love most will be gripped by a powerful grip that cannot be broken except for the gospel of Jesus. And it will set you on a trajectory, a path that unless Jesus shows up, so if you don't hear his word today and, and respond, you'll be on a path of maybe success, but it will only be temporary. Oftentimes when we're on the path of longing for influence, this type of person uh, feels that, 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 man, if I can get this job. So uh, how many of you are like, well, I'm not going to be a movie star. This doesn't apply to me. I don't know. Well, the normal people, this is what it looks like. If I can just get this job, if I can just have this opportunity, if I can just have this career, if I can just have this position, this trophy, this victory, if I can just have these things, then it'll be enough. But I want you to know, no money is ever enough. No job is ever enough. Nothing will satisfy like the presence of God. And so oftentimes we are motivated uh, because we are, we, are, we are afraid of failure. So we're going to chase influence, recognition, or sometimes we just feel like we're just not good enough. Like I'm not good enough, so if I can prove to myself I'm good enough. I hear this all the time, especially in the, the sports world, that if you just don't feel good enough, I can just achieve a few things, then I'll be good enough, and I've made a name for myself. Never has anyone said that paid off. That pays off. No one. And so you're on a path. Are you on the path of chasing, 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 working, 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 always hungry, never satisfied? You may have a great, resilient work ethic, and you might be really successful, but at what cost? Is it the sacrifice of your health, sacrifice of, of your family? Is it the sacrifice of your faith? So we see with these people here in, in Jeremiah 6. Additionally, there's another path, the path of control. It's another path. The path of control, this is a longing con to control everything according to your plan. 
These are what we call, I like to call, the backseat drivers of our country. Uh, the, you know, they always want, they're going to tell you what to do, when to turn, what, why you didn't put on your blinker early enough, and tell you to slow down. And actually, they'd just rather you get out of the car and they drive. Another way to say it, to be more polite, the executives of the world. You know, the executives, those are, this is, they're the executive types. They want to control everything. They want to be in charge. They, they, they just want control. Now, I need you to see that being in control is not a sin. It's not a sin. There is a, de- a desire for control and order is not sinful. But to be controlled by a need to be in control is, is. It sets you on a path where you can't even hear from God. Like God could show up and tell you to go right, and you're like, no, I'm in control. I'm going left. That's what's going on here. God shows up and tells these people, hey, uh, you're, you're walking a path that's, that's in resistance and opposition to me. I need you to get back on the path, follow me, and I'm going to lead. They're like, nope, I, I'm not letting you drive. I'm backseat driver. Jesus, you cannot take the wheel. Like, I don't care about that song, and I don't care about you. And so that's what we do when we are controlled by control. And so, again, this can lead to great success. Controlling environments manipulating, planning, strategizing, but oftentimes it it comes at the risk of domineering, controlling, manipulating people. In a way, this is, sometimes you can be a my way or the highway person that, that even eventually says that to God. God, you go my way or hit the highway. And so what this does, when you're controlled by control, you actually, this path robs you of the spirit-filled life of following Jesus. Because Jesus calls the shots. And you get to his word, I need you to see that every single one of us, myself included, I read the word of God and I hit, I hit certain verses and we're like, man, that's hard to, I'm wrestling with this one. Man, this is indicting me, convicting me, I have to change. So in that moment, I'm left to decide, do I want to have control or do I want to submit to God's word, will and ways? Or will I make it submit to me? Will I edit God's word or submit to God's word? And so this often leads us to struggling to trust God's timing. Tr- the, the struggle, we need control, high control. We have the fear of letting go. Or maybe even for the, the, the Christian theologians, you know, in the room, uh, sometimes if we're honest, we've got to be honest, it, it leads us to just wanting everything to be so systematically perfect and orderly that we can understand God and there's no mystery. And it's true. We can get so focused on knowing all the nuances that there's no real relationship with God. Oftentimes, when, you're, when we are controlled by control, then we, are, uh, we're, we, we can't adapt when we need to adapt. Let's say uh, uh, you have a car issue or a house issue, or maybe you're, uh, your house floods or something, uh, and um, you, you're, that's just where you're at. That's just where you're at. And you're, or, I mean, we've had, my wife and I, we've had this, house flooding, a kid in the hospital, all at the same time, car broken, all three of those, same time, car, flood, uh, um, you know, house, all at once, all at once. Kids, in, in, in this moment, when you, when you need control, then you realize you're out of control. I have no house to live in. I, my kids are fighting for their life in the hospital, and I can't even drive there. I can't even, and it's COVID, so like no Ubers, you know. Uh, so like it, that was real story, real life, real time in our life. In this moment, what God is doing is ripping us out of the path of control. you got to trust me. And for those of us who struggle with uh, letting go and trusting God, that can be pretty miserable. I need you to understand that as soon as you can let go and trust God, the freer you are. But the more you try to hold on to control and to hold on to something, it's like if you ever t- tried to you know, get a tight grip on something. 
and you just hold on tight for a really long time, eventually your hands get exhausted, your body gets fatigued, your arms hurt. See, those of us who are longing for control and are being controlled by control are exhausted. Our grip, though strong, is waning. We, we often are not willing to move as God is moving or, cease, or we see circumstances in our life that require us to be flexible and we groan, we complain, we struggle. In those moments, you need to know if that's you, that you've been hijacked by the path of control. Sometimes this is because we're, we're rooted in some sort of insecurity. Um, maybe sometimes it goes back to your childhood somewhere where you're like, man, I was out of control. I, meaning something happened to me where I wasn't in control. Now I will never be in a position of weakness like that again. So I'll always have to be in control. And then it comes from real hurt, real pain. That's real. But what Jesus wants to do, he wants to come in in the middle of that and free you of that grip and, and actually let, cause you to surrender your control to his control, hit the good way, the good path. What we're talking about here. Number three, the, the third path that we often find ourselves on is the path of comfort. And so oftentimes what we use, I call uh, control, the, the, it's, like, it's more like an interstate. It's the, it's the path we use to get from one, to the, one state to the next. It's that we use control to get to comfort oftentimes. We use control, high control, to get to comfort. But comfort, the path of comfort is, this is uh, sometimes can be uh, the, the path of pleasure where you're just seeking pleasure. You just want, you just want what looks good, feels good. I, I want autonomy, control, so I can do whatever I want. Sometimes the, 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 the path of pleasure or comfort is you're scared of taking risk. You're, you're, you're scared of obedience to Jesus. You're, you're, you're scared of speaking the truth. You're scared of doing hard things. You're, you're, set, you're scared of doing the right thing. So the path of comfort silences you. You become timid. You become weak. You become passive. You become slothful. You become lazy because speaking the truth or taking risks for the glory of God would require you to be uncomfortable. See, I had a college coach tell me that we must be the type of uh, uh, athletes that that get comfortable with being uncomfortable i've never i've only thought about that for the majority of my my athletic career in in the realm of sports it fits way more in christianity than it does sports the christian must learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable whether that's heralding the truth of god's word in a in a, in a culture in a context that rejects him or sharing the truth and love to a friend who who doesn't love god or doesn't love you or doesn't doesn't want to hear what you have to say or it's it's life circumstances that happen you have to navigate them in a way that honors the lord pleases the lord you can't take the path of domineering and abuse and hurt and harm people but you got to take the path that brings the most glory to god that means you got to be submissive to jesus you have to be uh in your your your, your emotions in control like you're like well, all of these things there's this discomfort of our flesh if we're going to pay take the path of obedience to jesus and so when we're on the path of comfort, when we've been hijacked by it, we're not, we, we, we aren't comfortable with being uncomfortable. We will use whatever we need to do, whether it be control or, or, or uh, our influence, or our recognition to create an environment that we feel comforted and safe. Some that, sometimes that turns into uh, when you're on vacation. I love this one. Like you're going on vacation and someone asks, yeah, how's vacation? You're like, oh, I'm so exhausted. I'm so exhausted after vacation. I have four kids, exhausting. Yeah, no Yes, we know this. Like, that nothing, that's not the question. It's how was vacation? You said, I'm exhausted. What'd you think it was going to be? Well, was it fun? Yeah, but I'm tired. Congratulations. It was fun. 
It was hard. What in life is not fun and exhausting at the same time? Like, I've never had, like, fun and not been tired after. Or I've never had, like, fun and then was just like, man, I stayed up too late having fun. Guess what the next day? You're tired. You ever done that? You stayed up too late having fun and the next day you're tired? <laughs> I, hate, I hate fun now. No, you're just uncomfortable for a moment. There's a sacrifice there. There's a sacrifice there. Oftentimes when we idolize comfort, we seek comfort to the, to the point where we are uncomfortable. Then we condemn ourselves or condemn the idea of comfort because we're not comfortable. This is, a, this is like a cul-de-sac. It's not a highway. It's a cul-de-sac where you just get stuck in. Eventually you get lazy. And then you're like, I need me time because I need to control everything. I need me time because I need a vacation from my vacation. No, no, you don't. You need Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can give you true comfort, lasting comfort. I hope that you have comfortable and enjoyable, restful moments on your vacation. But I need you to know vacation will never satisfy you. Same thing's true with some, some religious folks who are like, I'm, I got the Sabbath day. Set it apart. I'm going to worship on the Sabbath. I got Sabbath. All of a sudden, you leave Sabbath next morning. You're tired. You're like, what the heck? I, so now you become really, really, you know, hell-bent on creating the Sabbath where you will never get tired after the Sabbath. And you start worshiping the day and not the Lord. See, when you are controlled by comfort, Jesus is not the Lord over the Sabbath. You are. When you idolize pleasure, you idolize sex, you idolize food, you idolize comfort, you idolize these things, they don't satisfy. They give you temporary pleasure and joy, but they do not satisfy the longing of your heart. Therefore, you've got to find a new one. You've got to keep finding a new one, a new one, a new one, a new one, a new one. And you're not fully ever satisfied or comforted fourth path that we often find ourselves on is uh, the, the path of approval. The path of approval. This is the path that what you do whatever you need to do to be liked, loved by the people you think are cool or you want them to like you. Or th- you think that if they don't like you, you'll be in trouble. Like that's what you do. Kids either sometimes do it because they, they don't actually love obedience. They just want to not get in trouble. So they, they become people pleasers. Uh, sometimes we do this because we're afraid uh, of the, the, the majority uh, uh, voice around us, and so we don't want to offend anyone, so we're just going to change everything. This is like America right now to the T. Like, we all, everyone is like comfort uh, and approval. I want to be approved. Now, I need you to understand this. Is comfort sinful? No. God is the God of all comfort and gives it to you. Uh, do we want to be, a, is being accepted a sin? No. But to be driven by acceptance and be ruled by acceptance, therefore rejecting God is. And so I'll, I'll put it this way. There's a friend, or not a friend, a person I know uh, who is an atheist. See, uh, normally we talk about, you know, Christian. Everyone knows, like, the Christian who acts like uh, a non-Christian sometimes because they want approval. Like, so their non-Christian friends show up, and they're like, nah, man, I, I, can't, be, I can't be godly because they'll make fun of me. Well, there's atheists that do the same thing. I, a, I know a guy where uh, I thought he was a Christian, and uh, this is what happened. He's an atheist, and you look at him on, on social media, his Facebook, he is just, you would think that if he saw you, Christian, to your face, he would rip you up, yell at you, spit on you, and just rail you. That's the kind of vile stuff he was saying about Jesus and Christians on his Facebook. I ran into him at H-E-B. He worked at H-E-B. Back when you would act, there's no self-checkout, and you'd have to go to the guy, and they scan the groceries. And I, I start talking. He said, hey, what's up? So I start talking to him about church. He then responds with Christian words and Christianese and, like, stuff that I don't even say. But he's like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, I mean, we'll be praying for you and glory to God and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, he became a Christian. Bro, that's awesome. You know, this is really cool. 
I get, I get home and I call one of, uh, a friend who, who knows him and they no, he's not a Christian, he's an atheist. He's like a militant atheist. I know, dude, God's showing up, he's saving, he's transforming him. It's real. I see it. I heard him. Hop up on his, you know, his Facebook and he's like, ah, some Christian just came over here. He's just not, and I'm like, what the heck? You were a poser as a Christian? That's wild. That's wild. Like he was, this is, I say this because it's rare. It's rare for an atheist to act like a Christian. It's more rare for a Christian to act like a non-Christian because we don't, we don't be offended. Or we, we're afraid of what other people think. It is super rare for a, an atheist, a militant atheist, to uh, want to be a militant atheist, to act like a Christian to another Christian. But this is what happens when you've been hijacked and controlled by approval that even the, the most atheistic person will fake it for approval. Christians, we do not fake our relationship with Jesus for approval. We, have a, we are approved by God because he sent his son to save us, adopt us, to redeem us. We don't have to prove it. We are approved, accepted through faith in Jesus. And so when we're looking for approval from other people, we get hijacked on this other path. That we, we become people we're not. We're scared to offend people or we change our opinions just to appease other people. Oftentimes, this person who's driven by need for approval of others, man, they're the life of the party. They're fun. They're outgoing. They're funny. They're charismatic type of people. They're fun to be around. It's because they need to be needed. They need, they need to be wanted. They just need to know God wants them. See, all, three, all four of these paths, when we're hijacked by them, can lead to success, fame, and fortune. But all of them, can, can, or when, the, when they're done for my glory and not God's glory, lead to ruin despair and destruction and actually create a distortion of your life of what humanity is and how how we were designed because see god is god and he is the one who's truly all powerful being powerful and being in control and being the one who has influence and recognition isn't an issue and this is why we want it oftentimes because it's a reflection of who god is because we were made in his image and to reflect it but we're, we're to reflect him not ourselves so we're to use our influence and, and our, our, our recognition, our platforms, our, our status, our, our money, our talent, our time to reflect the glory of God. To use our work ethic, to use our, our, our chasing, our grinding, to bring glory to Jesus, not to our bottom line or our name. As our highest desire, as our highest desire. And so our highest desire ought to be being influenced by, by God because we've been recognized by Him. And therefore, this is what it means to worship him, is that we give him all the recognition, all the glory, do his name. And therefore, we let God control us because he's in control already. So we willfully submit and go, God, you call the shots. We, we admit, we, we do not call the shots. You call the shots. And I can tell you this, the sooner you get to the point in which you surrender and let be okay with God calling the shots, the freer you will be. This is what Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, where we, and in new heavens and new earth, we'll reign with Jesus forever. Guess whose will is going to be done all day and all night? God's. Guess where there's the most pleasure and joy? In heaven, in his presence. The path of following Jesus, God being in control, doesn't rob you of pleasure and joy, but maximizes it. It gives you more. Additionally, God is the God of all comfort. So when we're seeking comfort apart from him, it won't last. We're told in first, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that God is the God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction. Do you find yourself in affliction? 
Run to Jesus for comfort. And only Jesus can truly give you the approval and satisfaction and acceptance you're looking for. See, when we've been hijacked by these paths and they control us, when we find ourselves, we're going in a direction that we don't even realize we're on. And, the, and, and we're just being ruled. Sometimes we're being ruled by a need for approval. Sometimes we're now, we're, we're, we're now in comfort and control. And it's just we feel like a ping pong ball thrown in a room just bouncing everywhere. And so the, the, the point of this is that we need to pause, reflect, stop, stand, look, examine. What is God's word saying? What is he saying? What path am I on? Am I, how am I being ruled? And to ask, as the text says here, ask for the ancient path where the good way is. And I'll tell you this, the good way is found in God's word, God's word in the Bible. Pastor Alex will preach on this in two weeks, so I'll let him talk more about that there. But t- for today, the reality is that, that we long f- what we long for, is what we truly long for in all those paths, and what we truly desire in all those paths is, are found in Jesus. And Jeremiah is speaking to a people who are on their own path, their own idolatry, and their own sin, and God is showing up. God is showing up and he's saying, come back, to my, come back to me. He's calling them back to himself, to the good way, to the ancient path. The path that brings the most glory to God. The true path, the path of worship, path of true fulfillment. The path of Abraham, the path of Isaac and Jacob, the path of Moses and the, and the law, the path of freedom, redemption, salvation in life. The, the, the path that, uh, that, that God's people have been walking on with God for generation after generation after generation. See, God's people have a rich history, a rich history, and a rich legacy of seeing God's faithfulness overcome their sin, buy them back, redeem them, and bring them back to himself. So we should reflect on that. We should see that. Because also, not only does does God's people have a rich history of that, they have a rich history of seeing it and going, nah, I'm going to disobey. I'm going to forget. I'm going to rebel. And so let me just ask, are are you tired of being so perplexed with your anxiety and fear? You just... Are you tired of the path you're walking on? Are you tired of needing influence? And so you got to work so hard to keep it, to have status and recognition. Don't you feel so tired that if you don't get the influence and status that you don't feel fully human? That you need others' approval to feel validated? Aren't you tired of seeking control and everything? Isn't it exhausting to be so anxious and emotional turmoil all the time because you, things aren't happening the way you want them to? Aren't you tired of being so, that, that things happen outside your control and you panic and you're in fear and, you, and it ruins friendships, relationships, your day? Aren't you tired of seeking pleasure that doesn't satisfy? Aren't you tired at the soul level? Aren't you tired of being tired? And you're constantly changing as a, we're constantly changing as a nation, reinventing ourselves, and we're never satisfied. Everyone's depressed, everyone's self-medicated, everyone's out of shape, everyone's hungry, everyone's addicted, everyone's miserable. It's because we've all been lied to about the path of wholeness. So this is what God is doing. He's calling us back to himself. But we need, I need you to see that any of those paths that have been described today, all these paths will shape you and they will form you. They might even lead to temporary and, and long-term success for some. But all of those paths, will, when they control you, 
are using you. I need you to see this. I want you to feel frustrated to some degree that you're being used. You're being manipulated. You're being lied to. You're being sold a lie. This is, this is what's going on in our day. And it's been in the same in every generation and nation. Uh, but, but it's simply this, this, this idea of manipulation and control. That's what's going on. We know, we, we get it. The algorithms, we know, they're controlling us. They are. The government wants to control us. The advertisements want to control you. The politicians want to use you. Everything around you is, is, is set up to manipulate you, to use you, to lie to you for someone else's glory. And some of you think that's how God is. Some of you think that this is what we're going to do. You come to church, you're getting around Christians, and they're just going to manipulate you, form you in a way to, and God's going to manipulate you to get you to change. That's not what he's doing. He's sitting here, he's, he's telling his people, stand by the road, look, look how everyone's lying to you. Look at the road that you're on, it's not satisfying. Look how they, that they're trying to use you. Look how they're trying to, to, to medicate you, to silence you, to, to keep you depressed, to keep you dependent, to keep, to keep you from true satisfaction and freedom. Look around. And hear the invitation. The invitation is to come back. God is offering an invitation. He's saying, come back to me. He's saying, come as you are, and I will change you. He doesn't say, stay as you are. He says, because where you are is not very good. Like, you're miserable. So come to me, he's saying. Come to me. And so what he's, what he's doing in this invitation is stand by the road, look, and you'll find rest for your soul. He's, he's saying he's inviting us into an, in, he, it is an invitation to change. An invitation to, to not manipulation, but to true, true change at a soul level. This invitation is actually to a path that actually reforms our loves, rewires us according to God's likeness. As we were made in the beginning in the Garden of Eden, according to God's image and likeness. At the core, what Jesus is doing is remaking us, making us new, uh, uh, fully human, yet fully, but whole, not incomplete. What, what Jesus is doing is, is, doing, is loving us, caring for us, tending to us, changing us, not through manipulation, but through transformation. He's doing it, he's recreating an entire human, humanity through his church. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. And so this ancient path is truly is, is a path of following Jesus. Because Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 reiterates the exact same thing that's being said in Jeremiah 6, 16. He says it this way. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, all of you who are burnt out, stressed out, tired of being tired, tired of being controlled, tired of being influenced by everyone, tired of being manipulated, tired of being scared, tired of being lied to, tired of being uh, perplexed by fear and anxiety, tired of, 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 of always hungering, never being satisfied, just tired of, of seeking pleasure that doesn't last. All those who are exhausted and tired, come to me. He says, I will give you rest. So the ancient path is one of, a path of following Jesus. There's true rest. He says, take my yoke upon on you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So step one is to examine the path that you're on, and then get off of it. And what do you got to do? You just got to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. 
Cast your cares on Jesus. Cast your burdens on Jesus. Receive rest from Jesus. He wants to give you rest at a soul level. Now, I want you to see this. When things are going good, when things are prosperous, when, you're, when things are going great, and you, typically people, Christians, they, when things are going great, we don't need God. We don't need God. But everyone is like, when things are going bad, oh, yes, I need God. I need God. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. Uh, things are not going well. Let, pray for me, brother. Pray for me, sister. Like, let's pray when things are going bad. And I'm not saying you shouldn't pray and, and go to Jesus when things are going bad. What I want you to see is that all of life is an invitation to Jesus. What we're seeing here in our text is that Jesus is inviting you, no matter what your circumstance or where you find yourself, he's inviting you to him. So in the good days, you should be praising Jesus, celebrating what he has done enjoying all the blessings he has given you, whether it be money, whether it be uh, uh, relationships, whether it be food, whatever it may be, opportunity, you are enjoying those things with Jesus and others. You're enjoying it to the glory of God. And, And so you should see the good times in life as an invitation to celebrate and to enjoy Jesus. And also, like, we, like typically everyone else does, is when things are going bad, it's an invitation to Jesus. So it's, you open up your mailbox, it's in the mail, invitation to Jesus, celebrate, things are going great, run to Jesus. Things are going awful, run to Jesus. Now the third one is in your sin, which God's people are in in this moment. He's saying run to Jesus. See, typically Christians will, will ignore God when things are going good, because they don't need him. And then uh, they will run to him when things are going bad, because oh, now I need God. But when we're aware of our sin, what do we do? We hide in shame. We hide in shame. We don't run to, we don't run to him. We don't confess. We hide because we're full of shame. I want you to see that when Jesus is calling his people, he's calling out to them in the middle of their, their worst times, their worst days, not their best days. He wants them to worship him in their best days, their hard days, but even in their, their, their the most grotesque sin-filled days. When they feel the worst, they feel a lot of shame, they feel guilty. That's an invitation to Jesus too. Here's why. Because if Jesus has died for your past sin, present sin, and future sin, that means the sin that you will commit tomorrow, he has already died and paid for. He has the scars to prove it. Like when you sin tomorrow, it's news to you. You're like, whoa, I'm on the path of comfort. We're running from Jesus. He's not unaware of it. He actually knew about it 2,000 years ago, to which he willfully gave himself as a sacrifice, as a substitute for you, where he died in your place for your sins to take upon your, the sins of tomorrow, yesterday. He already paid for them. Therefore, when you're aware of them, when you're full of guilt, when you're full of shame and you're aware of your sin, when you're aware of it, this also is an invitation, a little present with a bow on it, saying, come to Jesus, run to Jesus, cast your cares on Jesus, give your sins to Jesus, give your fears to Jesus, give your hopes to Jesus, because what ends up happening when you find out you're on the path that's not, you know, you're being ruled by fear, you're being ruled by comfort, or you're being ruled by pleasure, and you, and you just feel the effects of your sin, you, what you end up doing is feeling guilty and shame, and you're just depressed and discouraged. You don't, you, don't, you just sit and sulk. When you're aware of your sin, consider it like a big call from God Hey, son. Hey, daughter. Let's go play. Come to me. Come to dad. I'm not angry. I've already dealt with your sin. I've dealt with your past sin, present sin, your future sin, all of it. And actually, not only did I pay for it, the check cleared. They killed me, and I'm alive. Proof that you really ha- he really has atoned for all your sins. See, Jesus isn't looking to manipulate you. He's trying to offer you what has already been paid for. It's legit. 
And so he says, when you come to me, he says, you're going to take a yoke upon you. And you're going to learn from me. See, oftentimes we, we see this. And we, it is an invitation to come to Jesus for rest. To find rest at a soul level. But he also, it's an invitation to learn. Meaning, all of us today have something to learn. Meaning we don't know all we think we know. So coming to Jesus, not only do we get our sins forgiven, we get, we get a new life, we get his righteousness applied to us, we are adopted sons and daughters of the king. Now we've got to learn from the king. He says, learn from me. He says, take my yoke upon me. See, this, the, the, what, what, what he means is we are being yoked to Jesus. It's his yoke. He, we're being tied to Jesus. That's what it means. We're being tied to Jesus. So where Jesus goes, we go. When he's saying, come to me, yoke yourself to me and learn from me. He's like, and you're like, well, being enslaved to something, yoked to something doesn't sound funny. So well, guess what? I'm gentle and lowly at heart. And I'm going to actually give you rest. This is actually the path of true rest, true satisfaction, true freedom is with me. He says, this yoke that's upon you, though it be a yoke and though it be weighty, it's, it's my yoke and it's, and it's light. The burden of it is light. It's light because Jesus is the one carrying it. That's why it's light. Not that the life of a Christian is a light life or an easy life. It's actually a hard life. But it's a life, while it may be difficult, may be hard, He's not saying this is an easy life. He's saying this is life, though difficult and hard and full of misery, full of ruin, full of letdowns, full of confusion, full of hard times. You can either take the path of this life on your own or you could let me carry the burden for you and do things my way. The way that you're on, the path you're on is a heavy burden that's dragging you down. The way, the path of following Jesus is one that, that, the, that Jesus takes responsibility. Jesus takes the weight. Jesus takes you and carries you to the end. See, Jesus wields his power, his control differently than the world. He's gentle to the broken. And though this offer is weighty, he promises to carry us. See, we live in a world that says, you don't need to change. You don't need to learn anything. Just be you and that's it. You do you. Affirm, affirm, affirm. Live your best life. And, and, and now, and, and tell me how that works, how's that, how's that working? Like more than ever, we depressed, medicated, and, and miserable people. Like just look around. If that's not proof we've been lied to, the power of darkness wants you to stay not satisfied, not filled with hope in Jesus, and just stay stuck in the cul-de-sac and the path you find yourself on. Trust the government, trust the internet, trust, trust anyone. I'm not even saying trust me, I'm saying trust Jesus. That's who you trust. You trust Jesus, his word, his will, his ways. And anyone who deviates from Jesus, you can deviate from them. That's the big idea. Come to Jesus. That's the point here. And so it's going to be a path where you've got to learn some things. And I want you to see this. We've got to unlearn some things. We've got to unlearn the things that, uh, uh, that, that, that we have learned by following the path that we're on. Just imagine this. If you were a, an orphan uh, and, and then the king adopted you. Maybe you're orphan. You, you lived in the slums and that's what you're doing uh, outside the kingdom. And the king shows up. He adopts you, brings you into his family. Now you've now you got the king's last name. So it means to be a, be a Christian. You get adopted into the, the royal family, to Jesus' family. You get a new name. You get your sins forgiven. You get cleaned up. You get new clothes. You get new food. You get everything. You get all the blessings of the kingdom. That's you. That's, but all you know is what it's like to be an orphan. All you know what it's, you never ate with, you know, 
gold silverware. You're like, I don't know what this is. This knife, I don't even know how to use it. Like steak, I, I, I've never had this delicious stuff. Like you have to relearn life in the kingdom. So Jesus says, learn from me. And so truly the, 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 this new path, the path of following Jesus is that of discipleship. And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our sermon series talking about the discipline of discipleship. Jesus says it this way in Luke 6, 40. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So Jesus is saying, come to me, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. I'm your teacher, you're the disciple, and if you are fully trained by me, you will become like me. Fully, Jesus is the, most happy, the happiest person who ever lived. Not many of us would have picked his life and done the stuff that he did, but he was the happiest man, happiest person who ever lived. He was the most fulfilled, satisfied life. Though it was hard, this is what we need to see. Satisfaction in life is not escaping the hard things. It's walking with God through all things. That's the good life, walking with God through everything. The good days, the bad days, the, the sinful days, and the obedient days. It's following Jesus, being trained by Jesus Always, this is the path. And so whatever road you're on, you got to exit. you got to take, take, take an exit, pull over, look for the ancient path, the path of discipleship, and say, yes, I will walk in it. I will learn from you, Jesus, who's taken my sin, who's, taken my, uh, who's given me his yoke, who adopted me into his family. I will follow you completely. And so as we continue the series, will you continue to ask, God, show me the ancient path? path of discipleship. May I learn from you, Jesus, and may I walk in it. I'll end with this. Discipleship requires discipline. And this is where we, we, I want you to see the big idea of this, of the, this whole sermon series is that we've got to run to Jesus. We have an invitation to come to Jesus. And so now we must be disciplined to stay with him. That's where the discipline lies. The discipline is, is staying with him. Not to earn your right in the kingdom, not to earn forgiveness, not to earn anything. It's because if you know, love, and trust Jesus, you put your faith in Jesus, you give your sins to Jesus, you are the king's kid. You're in the family. He's saved you. That's you. But you're prone to be hijacked, lied about, lied to, and jump on other paths. So the discipline is to fight the sinful urges to, to leave Jesus, but to stay tethered to him, to stay yoked to him. We're disciplined for the purpose of godliness. What he says in, in, in verse uh, 7, he says, Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Stay off the internet. Uh, rather, train yourselves for godliness. Other translations may say, discipline yourselves for godliness. So just like bodily training has value, like working out, being in shape, having a disciplined diet and exercise is, is of some value. Godliness, staying near Jesus, walking with Jesus, learning from Jesus, being trained by Jesus has value in every way and holds promises for this present life and also the life to come. See, discipline is difficult. It's a lost art. You will either, hear, hear this, you will either be disciplined yourself. You will discipline yourself personally as a disciple of Jesus, or you'll be disciplined by the Father. This is, this, there's no way around it. Discipline is a must for the Christian. That's what the word means, disciple. Like it literally has it in it, disciple. So God's people in, in Jeremiah, they will not discipline themselves for the purpose of godliness. So the discipline of the Lord has come to them. And so throughout this series, we will look at what does it look like to be dis the disciples of Jesus and discipline ourselves not to earn God's love. 
not to be approved by God, but be disciplined, tethered to Jesus, walk in, in all the ways that he's given us, his path, be trained by his word, be trained for godliness, be trained by Jesus. How do we do that? How do we do that? What does that look like? So the rest of the sermon series will be spent on that. But before we get there, we've got to ask ourselves the question, do we even want that path? Do we even want it? And if we want it, will we even walk in it? So as we respond, that's the question you must ask yourself. Whose glory will you seek? Will you seek self-preservation, your self-righteousness, self-glory, or will you exit that road in which you're on right now? Stop, pause, and choose the path of, of Jesus. Come to him. Receive him. Find rest for your soul. Sit with him. Grow with him. Walk with him. Learn from him. Be trained by him. For training in godliness has greater value than any other training in this life. and prepares you for the life to come. Let's pray.